Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone, and welcome to More Than a Muse. I'm Stani. I'm Sadie, and wow, am I so excited for this episode. (laughs) We have been waiting, and I can't believe we haven't done it yet, but we're finally here. Welcome to the More Than Amused Dolly Parton episode. I know. I mean, I can kind of understand why we haven't, because we knew that it was going to be such a big thing that we weren't quite sure how to, like, tackle it. Because how Mm -hmm. do you sum up Dolly Parton and... An hour and a half or less. Literally, you know? it was like, how, do we make a Dolly month, like a two-part episode? Yeah. If, ugh, do we turn into out. the Dolly Parton's America and have to do like an eight-part series <laughs> on Dolly Parton? <laughs> yeah, in order to like truly emphasize her whole life of accomplishments and just the person she is. Yeah, truly. Yeah, Stani and I are both for the occasion wearing our Dolly hoodies. Yay! Mine is I less have- so obvious but it says in dolly we trust that's okay the back of mine is way cuter it has her face and it says it's hard to be a diamond in a rhinestone world oh very cute plus it's like purple and green which i just love so that's very cute yeah one of my favorite things about moving to nashville is the fact that like yeah the dolly love is everywhere as it should be there's so many murals like I was walking in Midtown a couple weeks ago, just leaving a friend's riders round, and I just looked over and there was a dumpster and the dumpster had a mural of Dolly Parton's face. And I was just like, you know what? Everywhere. And like every single local shop, there's just like, what would Dolly do stickers? Like it's, there's Dolly merch everywhere. Last year for Christmas, I brought like so many what would Dolly do stickers back from like this one little shop because they're everywhere and there was so many options of things I could have done. So good old Dolly Parton. I will say like researching and listening about this episode, I was like, wow, I could live in Tennessee. And I've never considered that before in my life. But he's like, I listened to a lot of episodes of Dolly Parton's America. Highly, highly recommend. I have not finished it. I definitely will. Because I get getting so emotional. And it's also like a nine-part series. So True. Yeah, no. You don't know about Dolly Parton's America. It's one of my favorite podcasts I've ever listened to. It's just, yeah, it's like just nine parts. So it's not a continuing show. Mm -mm. Um, I found it, I think, back in 2017, 2018. Yeah, I think right around the time they did it, right? I discovered it when they were still putting out the episodes. It's Mm -hmm. so amazing. It's, I think, really just like shines a light on who she was. It's so in-depth. And yeah, they actually have interviews with her, which is incredible because he had like this weird connection where his dad was like her Mm -hmm. doctor for like a day or something. It's I mean, it's incredible. Obviously, listen to our episode first, too. (laughs) But when you're done, go listen to Dolly Parton's America. Yeah, like we definitely talk about the fact that our episodes are kicking off point. This one more so than ever. Like we did Mm -hmm. a two part Taylor Swift episode. We did a two part Beyonce episode. 
we couldn't just split Dolly into yeah. two parts. And like, we don't really have the schedule for that either. And like, she means so much to us. We brought her up a lot and we definitely will continue to. So this is kind of more of a like, why you should love Dolly Parton, like the brief things you should know about her, like the key points about Dolly, if that makes yeah. sense, rather mm -hmm. than a full overview. If you want the full in-depth overview, I think that's Dolly Parton's America. The structure of this episode, we're going to do a quick overview of like where she came from and how she kind of got her start in Nashville, just in case you're not familiar with the story, just to set the scene, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but we each found three different stories or anecdotes or just things about Dolly that we personally love, kind of just to answer the question, why is Dolly America's royalty? Why is this Dolly yeah. Parton's America? So true. I even, I saw a thing today that said like, Dolly isn't just a national treasure, she's an international treasure. Because mm -hmm. it's just like her scope is too broad for just America. True, true, true. <laughs> and I think that that's another thing too. Like there's just, there hasn't been anyone really like her. Like I can't think of a good comparison because she's been there the entire time. Like it's just yeah. Dolly. So Very true. I do want to shout out to, we've done one episode that really focused on her. We did an episode about nine to five where we talked about the movement that inspired the movie. And then we also talked about the Broadway musical. She starred in the movie nine to five and then also wrote song called nine to five. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of Dolly Parton anecdotes in that episode. Some of my favorite stories about Dolly Parton are involving nine to five, but I didn't want to be redundant. So I didn't include them in this, yeah, I didn't this either. episode, but definitely go listen to that episode. And also it was a cool episode because you kind of get the whole context of the yeah. movement and it's a, it's a crazy thing. I loved it. There's so much. That was a wonderful, wonderful episode. I think it's one of both of our favorites, mm -hmm. just talking about the movement and the movie and the song. And mm -hmm. there's a book that came out, I think last year that goes oh, yeah. more into depth on it. And then there's also the documentary. So there's just so much. Like yes. <laughs> anything else or should we just dive in? I can give the brief, yeah. I can give the overview if you'd like. Mm -hmm. Yes, okay, please. Cool. Dolly Parton, full name, Dolly Rebecca Parton. So she was born January 19th of 1946. She, I mean, obviously singer, songwriter, actress is known for her decades long career in country music. She achieved success as a songwriters for others as well as herself. Her debut album in 1967 was Hello, I'm Dolly, which led to success during the remainder of the 1960s, both as a solo artist as well as a series of duet albums with Porter Wagner, who she was in a show with him for a long time mm -hmm. that really boosted her career. And then her sales continued to peak in to the 70s, continued into the 80s, 90s and 2000s. Her career kind of waned a little bit, but uh, she came back. She always comes back. Which, I know. You know what? Okay, pausing. <laughs> Stani and I discussed before we did this episode that we feel like a lot of this is going to be gushing. I Are, are you talking <laughs> about Hannah Montana at all? No, because okay. I was a PBS kid, remember? Oh, you were a PBS kid. I can't. Okay. I wanted to make sure that you weren't covering it before I did. Yeah. Because this, this isn't included in um, my three, one of my three stories I'm mm -hmm. talking about. But I think that was like a, such a cool thing that she did was by being involved with Hannah Montana. And I mean, she is just Miley Cyrus's godmother. So mm -hmm. it's not like, you know, wasn't a hard sell, I'm sure. But like the way she was able to be reintroduced to like the younger kids through Disney Channel as Hannah Montana's godmother. Oh, 
come on. Like just, I don't know. I think she's just like found a way time and time again, reappeal herself to generations yeah. and just the opportunities that she's had to like share and be like, this is who I am. And I think it's just cool how like different generations catch on that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of like a unifying thing. And that podcast really talks about that a lot is that she is like a unifier between different demographics of age, race, and like all different politics and everything mm-hmm. like oh yeah that's another big one is politics yeah she's true huge on that like probably the queen of bipartisan politics <laughs> i don't think Sweet. anyone's been able to do that as well as she has and i think it's a strength i think a lot of people view it we'll talk about it more but like because uh-huh. i have some of that in mind but yeah i think it's also funny to see that like there's people that have been introduced to her gradually somehow mm-hmm. without even the Hannah Montana introduction. Like True. in the um, Dolly Parton's America, he was talking about how he doesn't think that can be all of it because it just doesn't mm-hmm. seem like it's big enough. And no. I've often wondered, it was like, how did she suddenly just become this like, and I think for me, a lot of it's been like headlines mm-hmm. growing up. And then it's like, well, Dolly Parton does this. And it's like, oh, Dolly Parton just did this. And it was like, anytime anything wrong was going on in the world, like Dolly Parton was there just like fixing something. That's true. Like she's <laughs> more money. She's there. Like she's always on the scene to like yeah. see what she can do to help. And like she launches a product and everyone's like, oh, of course, like we needed that yeah. <laughs> or something, you know, like uh-huh. she's just like this beacon of just like a wonderful person who just lives what she stands for. And it just like shines so much. And when you mm-hmm. talk about like a lot of things in Hollywood and how people view it as like very toxic and the music scene, like I feel like she's one of those people who's been able to continue to be herself yeah, and like really definitely. be that like beacon of light mm-hmm. in the industry. I fully agree. To continue with her accolades, uh, with a career spanning over 50 years, she has been described as a country music legend, has sold more than 100 million records worldwide, making her one of the best-selling artists of all time. Her music includes the Recording Industry Association of America, certified gold, platinum, and multi-platinum awards, 25 singles reach number one on the Billboard Country Music Charts, a record for a female artist that's actually tied with Reba McIntyre. Fun fact. Love it. Um, 44 career top 10 country albums, a record for any artist, and she has 110 career charted singles over the past 40 years. She has composed over 3,000 songs, including I Will Always Love You, a two-time U.S. country chart topper, and an international hit for Whitney Houston, Jolene, Code of Many Colors, and 9 to 5. And then as an actress, she starred in multiple films, including 9 to 5, The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, for which she earned <laughs> Golden Globe nominations for Best Actress. And then she also played in other movies as well. She's received 11 Grammy Awards and 50 nominations, including the Lifetime Achievement Award, 10 Country Music Association Awards, including Entertainer of the Year, is one of only seven female artists to win the Country Music Association's Entertainer of the Year. Um, She has four People's Choice Awards, three American Music Awards, and she's also in a select group to have received at least one nomination from the Academy, Grammy, Tony, and Emmys. Which, like, not EGOT status, but, like... But, like, the nominations for them. Yeah, the nominations for one of each category is incredible as a feat on its own. In 1999, she was inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame. Uh, In 2005, she received the National Medal of Arts. And in 2022, she was nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which was a... Well, talk about it later I think yeah um, which is a nomination she had initially declined but ultimately accepted and has since been inducted can you imagine so. walking into her house and yeah. there's probably a room with just <laughs> awards. awards yeah right like oh my gosh there's the accolades 
There's so many. I was like, it was like a tongue twister. Like, go, go, go. Stop (laughs) taking a breath. And that's the funny part is this isn't even the end of it. Like her most recent album came out this year. Like Mm -hmm. she's still going. Yeah. we've, We've got a lot more Dolly. Thank heavens. So as far as where she came from, she was born in a one room cabin on the banks of the Little Pigeon River in Pittman Center, Tennessee. She was actually the fourth of 12 children born to Abby Lee Caroline and Robert Lee Parton Sr. Her father, who was just known as Lee, he worked in the mountains of East Tennessee, first as a sharecropper and later tending his own small tobacco farm in Acreage. He worked construction jobs, just really anything he could to supplement the families and the farm's really small income. Another thing to know is that like her family, her father was like illiterate. Mm-hmm. So he didn't know how to read. And I'm, I know you're going to kind of talk about how that kind of went on to become, I guess, not a significant thing. Yeah. But, yeah. but like if they something. were like poor, 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 poor. Yes. Very, like, very one poor. One room cabin. Father is illiterate. Like, yeah. Twelve children. Like she's often commented that he was one of the smartest people that she had ever known, though, in regards to business and making a profit. And I think it's really sweet because a lot of the times you'll hear that like, so much of who she is and like what she knows and how smart she is. She does credit to her father and her mother, Mm -hmm. which I think is very sweet. Her mother cared for their large family. Her 11 pregnancies, the 10th was actually twins, in 20 years made her a mother of 12 just by age 35. Oof. I'm sorry. That's... I know. I know. (laughs) But she credits her musical abilities to her mother, who was often in poor health, but she still managed to keep the house and entertain her children with Smoky Mountain folklore and ancient ballads. When Dolly was a young girl, her family moved from the Pittman Center area to a farm up nearby Locust Ridge, where I think most of her cherished memories happened. And today there is a replica of that cabin that resides at Parton's namesake theme park, Dollywood which I have the pleasure of talking a little bit about Dollywood later. Mm-hmm. But so yeah, just very, very humble beginnings. One room cabin in the middle of the Smoky Mountains with huge family. But she began performing as a child, singing on local radio stations, television programs in the East Tennessee area. She was appearing on the Cass Walker show, just different radio shows in Knoxville and all I that. think I read something that said she was basically writing songs by age four. Like, she would make up little songs about her dolls and her mom would write them down for her. Like, oh she literally gosh. came out of the womb songwriting. Ready to write some songs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, at 13, she was recording the single Puppy Love on a small Louisiana label called Gold Band Records and appeared at the Grand Ole Opry where she first met Johnny Cash, who I guess encouraged mm-hmm. her to follow her own instincts regarding her career, which is beautiful. She graduated from Sevier County High School in 1964, and apparently she moved to Nashville the very next day. And her initial success came as a songwriter. She signed with Combine Publishing shortly after her arrival. There were a couple different, like, there was a whole lot of details I could go in here as far as like what actually broke her career. There was like a mention of she got a record deal and they wanted her to be a pop girl. And then Mm she was very set of like no i'm country and so finally they released her first single which was called dumb blonde which is actually interesting that she actually didn't write that song but she did record it but it reached number 24 on the country chart in 1967 followed by something fishy that went to number 17 and then those are the two songs that appeared on her first full-length album hello i'm dolly and the rest is history (laughs) 
love her there's so much more and i know you know scratches the surface but just so you know where she came from how it all started literally yeah like it's such a brief brief overview but hopefully Mm -hmm. it just shows you how much we just adore her the first thing i wanted to talk about was like her philanthropy i think it's like a huge part of who she is it might be another bit of like list listing things for a little bit i'm gonna try to not make it seem that way but she's done so much i have it like three categories that she's done and the first one and i think probably the one she's best known for is like her contributions to education clear back in like the 80s i think is when it started she formed the dollywood foundation and it originally was just for her home county of Sevier County, Tennessee. And there's so much like hometown love and everything that she does. Like she's very focused on like trying to uplift her hometown. And when you hear about how she grew up and like, I'm sure the education just wasn't that great when she was younger. And to be able to help raise up her hometown, I'm sure was such a huge thing for her. So it originally was launched to try and decrease high school dropout rates, which so honorable. And then they started the buddy program in which she gave $500 to every seventh and eighth grader who finished high school. Wow. Yeah. So it was just to try and get him to retain. It worked out really well. The dropout rate declined from 35% to just six. That's a lot. Yeah, that is, that's a yes. lot more kids finishing high school, and that's really mm-hmm. incredible. Then she, um, and I'm sure these are still going on in some form or another because mm-hmm. I didn't find anything about them ending. <laughs> this was just what was happening initially. I, only a year later, she started offering a $500 scholarship to every student in Sevier County who wished to attend Hawassi College, which I'm guessing is like the local college Mm -hmm. in that area so then again she's like helping fund their college experience if they decide to continue on in 1995 is like her main big charity that she started which was imagination library and the whole idea behind it is they send one book per month to each enrolled child in sevier county from birth until they start school a book every single month until Mm -hmm. they start school so it's like helping them learn how to read in the home before they even begin and if you've seen anything about like current U.S. education, like there's kids in high school who don't know how to read. And Mm -hmm. my brother is a high school teacher, and he said he has noticed that there are kids who legitimately do not know how to read in his class because of COVID and all sorts of other things. But literacy Mm -hmm. rates are something that people are like really worried about right now. And I just think it's incredible that she still has this program continuing to like help kids learn how to read. And this is in other countries, too. And it was founded in honor of her father, of course, mm. who was unable to read. And before he died, he did say that it was the most important thing she had ever done. Oh. Yeah. So that was like a cause very near and dear to her heart and like mm-hmm. to her father as well and in his honor. Of course, she continues. She has a 15,000 college scholarship that's offered to five high school seniors in Sevier County. And it's awarded to those who have a dream they wish to pursue and who can successfully communicate their plan and commitment to realize their dreams. So it's all about like, this is my dream. This is how I'm going to fulfill it. And then they pick among them, which I love. Yeah. Love that that so much. Another thing she did in 2016, she awarded a $30,000 scholarship to a two-year-old Evie Johns in celebration of Imagination Library's accomplishment of shipping out 1 million books per month. And so they gave this $30,000 scholarship to a two-year-old in order for her to eventually be able to attend college. 1 million books a month. (laughs) Yeah. That's Isn't crazy. that insane? Yes. Yeah. It's just 
so incredible. Like she's done so much with it. Like another thing that's incredible is with Dollywood, they obviously have a lot of people working for them. Mm -hmm. And so something that they do that I have never heard of another company doing, this literally blew my mind when I read it, but it's on their website. Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's something they offer. Uh, In February, 2022, they cover 100% of tuition fees and books for any employee who's furthering their education. Mm, and it starts so cool. on the day of employment. You don't so have you to have be to there like, for a year. Wow. You can get a job at Dollywood and start college and they will pay for everything, which is so incredible. Yeah. And um, yeah, she has like a partner in it and everything, but it's available for all seasonal part-time and full-time employees at Dollywood Parks and Resorts. That's crazy that it was seasonal too. Yeah. So they like, she fully, fully believes in it. And you can tell they offer, it's through like a partner called Grow You and they offer more than a hundred fully funded diploma degree and certificate programs. Mm. So there's ones that are like fully funded, ones that are partially funded. The ones that they focus on are obviously like business administration, leadership, culinary, finance, technology, and marketing. Cause that is advantageous to the park like they're obviously like yeah then they can promote within but they also do like partial funding which is up to about five thousand or more per year for 150 additional programs in like hospitality engineering human resources the arts like anything and it's just insane to me that they can enroll on their first day of employment i just think that that's that's Incredible. so true. Mm-hmm. No, because I'm going to be talking about Dollywood. I did go, I was like, I wonder what their job perks are. And I just like went to their job postings and I saw that like, oh, like tuition assistance. And like, I was just looking through everything and I was like, yeah, okay. It doesn't surprise me that the benefits here are incredible. <laughs> yeah. No, they look amazing. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> I am not going to lie. I did look to see if they had any graphic design jobs open. They don't, Uh-oh. but they don't. But <laughs> but I was very curious. I was like, hmm, I wonder. Not that I yeah. like need further education, but just the perks looked pretty great. Another thing that she's like been really passionate about and has done a lot for is the environment, especially like national disasters. Mm-hmm. One thing that I thought was really cool in 1991, she founded an Eagle Mountain Sanctuary at Dollywood. So mm-hmm. it's a 30,000 square foot aviary that's managed by the American Eagle Foundation. And it has the largest collection of non-releasable bald eagles. And because of that, because it's literally our national bird <laughs> and her efforts to preserve it, like kept, you know, a lot of them safe that wouldn't have been. Mm-hmm. She has a partnership award from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Wow. Yes. Another thing, she hosted a telethon after the East Tennessee wildfires, and it was called the Smoky Mountains Rise, a benefit for my people fund. And it was to help residents that were hit hardest in Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge. And of course, like all of her fellow country music stars came out to celebrate and help with her. And so it was Chris Stapleton, Chris Young, Kenny Rogers, Lauren Elena, Allison Cross, Reba McIntyre, Cindy Lauper, and more all appeared and they were able to raise more than 13 million dollars to help gosh yeah (laughs) yeah continuing that thing she also launched the my people fund and it was to help with like the wildfire relief efforts Mm -hmm. and they provided a thousand dollars a month for six months to families whose homes were completely destroyed amid the natural disaster and that's in 2016 like i'm sure that was enough to pay rent Uh uh-huh Back yeah. then, not now. Well, and especially <laughs> too, like, I mean, rent prices, I'm sure in those, like in that city is probably, it's mm-hmm. not like it is in like Nashville, you know what I mean? Yeah. So 
Like, yeah, you're like, like, oh, what's a thousand dollars a month? Where it's like, well, I mean, that's actually probably pretty significant in that. Yeah. No, I'm sure it was a lot. So they're like helping them find a place to live and like Mm -hmm. income until they can get something, you know, in order to help um, live again. But it also donated around $8.9 million to those in need, like outside of that $1,000. And it still helps residents pay for rent and utilities, plus food and mental health resources in those areas. And then the last one is medical um, help. You know, like Mm -hmm. the medical field is always going to need more money. Like, I'm sorry, it just is. (laughs) Like, There just never seems to be enough. She did a benefit concert for a new Sevier County Hospital, once again in that hometown county. The concert raised $500,000, like half a million dollars, and both the Dollywood and Parton's Dixie Stampede Dinner Theater pledged $250,000 each to the project. So it ended up being a total of a million dollars. And Leconte Medical Center, the new hospital and cancer center in Sevier County, opened in 2010. And it also features a 30,000 square foot Dolly Parton Center for women's services. Oh, I know. I love that. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, She also donated a million dollars in 2017 following the release of her I Believe in You Children's album, which she did. And that a million went to the Monroe Corral Jr. Children's Hospital at Vanderbilt University Medical Center in honor of her niece who was treated for leukemia at that hospital. I feel like every donation she makes is so personal. Like, I think that's something that makes it even sweeter is that it's like, oh, she chose that hospital because her niece was there. Like, she chose that place because she grew up there. You know, like, it's just so sweet. One thing that made like huge headlines is in 2020, she donated a million dollars to coronavirus research at Vanderbilt, which helped fund Moderna, Mm -hmm. which of course is 94.5% effective against coronavirus. So she was a major part of like helping fund the vaccine and getting that out as early as it was. They also, of course, helped again with the Middle Tennessee flooding relief in 2021. I know there was a ton of flooding going on that during that time. I couldn't even remember hearing about this one because I feel like there were so many states that were yeah. just drowning for a little yeah. while. It was crazy. So her and her Smoky Mountain businesses raised $700,000 to help residents impacted by catastrophic flooding in Middle Tennessee. She also, like the one she chose to help receive and distribute it was because of her fellow country music legend Loretta Lynn who helped mm. her in 2016 with the Sevier County wildfires. And then she went and gushed about Loretta and Aww. how important, yeah, their friendship was and how she was ready to help her just immediately. So she has like really close relationships too in the country music scene. Another one in 2022 was she made another $1 million donation to Vanderbilt U- University Medical Center in Nashville to help pediatric infectious disease research to understand like how viruses, bacteria cause disease and prevent resistance to antibiotics and treat infections, children with cancer and more. So just another million. (laughs) And because of all of this, she actually received the Carnegie Medal of Philanthropy in 2022. She just like, you can tell she like, she believes in things and she sets aside the money. Like you don't hear like Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos doing this all the time. And yet you have Dolly Parton like dishing out a million dollars whenever something comes up that she feels like she needs to be involved in. I just think it shows her heart. Yeah. I've also heard, and I guess I didn't really fact check this, but just kind of like the sentiment of like Dolly Parton could be a 
billionaire, but because of the amount of money she is continuously donating, she's never actually ever reached that status, which is yeah, just cool. I know our fave girly just became a billionaire this year, but you know, we'll see what she does with that later. <laughs> Miss Taylor. <laughs> yeah, I am trying to remember the fact that like Dolly is much later on in her career and like give a little yeah. bit of grace to younger You're celebrities. Right. You're right. But it also like you can just tell that Dolly is such a giving person. No, and I think so. it's just really cool how exactly like you said, like how personal all of the contributions are because it's like when you have all that money in the world, I mean, you have the potential to help in so many things, but you can't solve anything, right? One person can't no. solve everything. And so I think yeah. it's really cool how she's making such concerted effort to say, I'm going to go to my hometown. I'm going to go to the places that I love that I know specifically too, like what would help them. And I know that because I was there because I grew up in these communities and I know this is what these communities need. And now I'm in a position to give back to my home. And I just think that's like so inspiring. And isn't that everyone's real goal is to like get to a place where they can help the place that they come from. And I think it's just such a, a beautiful example that she's setting. No, when I worked at the Center for Social Impact at U of U, they talked about this philanthropic company. I can't remember what it was called, but they Mm -hmm. literally partner with kids who are going to inherit a ton of money and like help them figure out how they want to spend it. Because a lot of the problem with a lot of these people that are in like their fourth generation of wealth or something, they don't understand what it's like to not be able to read. They don't know what it's like to go to public school. Like they have no conception of what charities are actually doing or what they're for. Like Uh they don't get it. And so the whole goal is to like try and help them understand how you're supposed to like donate money and how to like spend it in order to to actually make it legitimate. Yeah. And I think that that's probably a lot of the problem with a lot of billionaires is they don't really understand. They're like, well, if I can donate to everything and I don't know what to donate to, I guess I'll just donate to nothing, which isn't good (laughs) but i think that that's another thing about dolly that makes her so cool is because she grew up in such a horrible state she's able to really understand the difference that money can make in people's lives and And actually like how to help i think that's such a cool thing too because i feel like a narrative you hear a lot in i don't know in like movies or in media is just like the oh, I got myself here and now I get to reap the benefits. And I think it could be very easy for her to say like, oh, well, I was in that one bedroom cabin, but look at me now. So if I can do it, you can do it. And I think that's an attitude you hear a lot. And -hmm. I think it's so cool that she's able to be like, cool, I got lucky. I did this and now I can help people get those opportunities. And she's not like, well, hmm, I did it. That means you can do it. Like, yeah, it's so icky when people do have that mindset. And I think it's just it shows a lot about a person when they don't immediately subscribe to it when they do reach the jackpot of success. Definitely. She has so much humility too, talking about like Mm -hmm. her upbringing and even the stuff with like her duet partner, whatever his Mm -hmm. name was. Porter Wagner. Wagner. Yeah, yeah, Porter Wagner. And just like how much love she still had for him despite like everything. Like mm-hmm. it just showed that she like she's just such a humble, caring, loving person. Like I feel like you meet her and she's exactly what you read about. You like I don't have any Yeah. I, I think that that's exactly what you think who she is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, That is the perfect segue into my first story because mm-hmm. I want to talk about the story behind the song I Will Always Love You. And I mean, as a songwriter, 
myself, I always am just interested in the life that a song can take. And I think this song in particular has a, a very cool song life. And I mean, it's obviously a very heart-wrenching song and it started as a very intimate country song. And then two decades later, it was completely transformed into the powerhouse ballad that Whitney Houston performed it as. What I loved though, is that the song was written not of a lost romantic love, but was written by her as a kind of like a parting farewell in her professional, like a professional breakup with Porter Wagner, who is a country music star, who is famous for his glittery attire, which is very, seems very similar yeah. to what she's <laughs> very famous for. But he did play a very key role in her early career, and but they were never involved romantically together. Wasn't he like double her age? Yeah, I think so. And yeah. like they just were, they hosted a show together. Three years after she had moved to Nashville, she had some success as a songwriter, but she was invited by Wagner to join his weekly TV show. It was basically like a variety show. And then after which he persuaded his record label to sign her. And then the first single was a cover of Tom Paxton. The last thing on my mind was actually a duet with Wagner and it reached the top 10 in early 1968. And it marked the start of just a stream of hits for the parrot. But eventually, you know, she quit the partnership to pursue her solo career. And she quit that partnership in 1973. And I loved this. She later recalled asking herself, how am I going to make him understand how much I appreciate everything, but that I have to go? I thought, well, what do you do best? You write songs. So I sat down and I wrote this song. Also, side note, apparently, Jolene was written on the same day that she wrote and I will always love you. Can you imagine that much genius in one person's brain? In one day. <laughs> I think in the podcast she was like, okay, well, I actually don't remember if it was the same day, but it was like it's on the same tape, which basically yeah. means they were written within like minutes of each other probably. It was the next song. Like yeah. Two lightning bolt strike songs. Okay, whatever. Porter Wagner was devastated by the departure, but despite like the ups and downs that their relationship I think did have they did remain friends apparently Parton was um, alongside members of his family was at his bedside when he died in 2007 um, I was gonna mention actually she bought his publishing company and gave it back to him when he was about to lose it because later right. on in his life <gasps> yeah like this is one of my favorite things and I was like oh my gosh because he kind of like crap talked her for a while after yeah. because some stuff happened some other people left he got really bitter about it and his career was kind of winding down while hers was skyrocketing mm -hmm. jealousy yeah. yeah like human emotions you know and um he was gonna lose his publishing company and so she bought it because she had the money and then gave it back to him for free as a gift and was just like thanks for everything you did for me I forgot that story. Yeah. That's crazy. And I was like, ah, at this point, they weren't even reconciled. Like, no. he still kind of was saying that he hated her guts. And then she's like, here's your publishing company. No strings attached. Like, just thank you so much. Well, so. it sounds like that she's the one who put in the work to mend that relationship. <laughs> yeah. So good for her. So yeah, that's a beautiful story. But mm -hmm. the I Will Always Love You, it was a hit for Dolly Parton. And it was released in March of 1974. It topped the Billboard country music chart which this is crazy. It got the attention of Elvis Presley and he wanted to record it himself. And she was obviously very excited about the idea of Elvis recording the song, but his manager, Colonel Tom Parker, who if you've seen the Elvis movie is a 
main character. It highlights how Mm. toxic he was. He told her that it was normal practice for the writer of any song Presley recorded to sign over half of the publishing rights, and she refused. Thank heavens. So this is a quote from that she gave country music television. She said, I cried all night. I mean, it was like the worst thing. People was people were saying, you're nuts. It's Elvis Presley. Hell, I'd give him all of it. I said, I can't. And I always wondered what it would sound like. I know he would have killed it. Then, I love this, when Whitney's version came out, I made enough money to buy Graceland. <laughs> According, and I mean, that's the version I grew up with, the Whitney yeah. Houston, I Will Always Love You power ballad. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. According to Forbes magazine, Parton has earned more than $10 million in royalties from that song. I believe it. Probably more now. I hate Elvis. Same. I will go on record and say that I've said it many times on this podcast. I would do wish we could have heard him sing that song. I'm, I know, I'm sure it would have been a great addition. It would but have. I'm so like the example that she sets there as like she knew her worth that like the biggest star in the world was coming and knocking on her door. And she said, that is not worth it for me to give up my rights to this song. Yeah, she knew it. She knew it. And it paid off in the end. Oh, 100 percent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like so much better. To have Whitney Houston record it than Elvis Presley. And yeah, it would have been beautiful. She even says, I think at one point, she was like, I would have killed to hear it in his voice. Yeah. (laughs) But it's like at the end of the day, like you can't give half of your royalties to someone for doing a cover of your song. I'm sorry. No. It's so so crappy. But Whitney Houston recorded I Will Always Love You in 1992 for the soundtrack of her debut film called The Bodyguard. And this is another sweet story where Dolly Parton first heard her rendition while she was driving in LA. Quote, I turned the radio on and then all of a sudden I heard that acapella opening. I knew it was something familiar. By the time it dawned on me what I was hearing, when Whitney went into the chorus, I had to stop the car because I almost wrecked it. I thought my heart was just going to bust right out of my body. And she loves that rendition. Like, there's nothing but love and affection. And like the story that that song went on of, like, the reason why she wrote it. And I totally forgot about the fact that, like, with that partnership, she did, like, really strive to make amends. And then turning down Elvis to then like having yeah. this moment with Whitney Houston. And that's like the most iconic Whitney Houston song. It's the it best cover ever. Like, oh, I, yeah. I love Dolly's version, though. Like, it's very different. It's very sweet. But it is. It's like it's softer. It's not like a power mm-hmm. ballad. It's just very, very it's tender. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Like you can tell the emotion and everything in it. So, yeah. Love it. Songwriting cool. legend. Oh, 100 percent. We're going to take a quick break just to spotlight one of our new favorite women artists. Okay, so this is an Etsy shop. I've actually saved quite a bit of their art prints now that I'm looking. But they have like a bunch of like Cowgirl and Dolly Parton ones too. But they also have a Pride and Prejudice one that I really love with the hand flex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, which is just great. But they're called the Digital Galleria based in San Diego, California. And she mainly does digital downloads, which I love. So you can buy them and then print them however you want. But she has like a Dolly Parton playing card. She has like just a bunch of Dolly Parton ones, cowgirl boots. She has Selena, Pride and Prejudice, Jane Austen. Like just so many. Wait, what is the name of it again? The Digital Galleria. G-A-L-E-R-I-A. Cool. I'm... I can't oh, find yeah. them 
Oh, wait, they are on Instagram. Okay, it's the same username. I was spelling it wrong. <laughs> same username on Instagram. Her name's Natalie. Amazing. Yes, but I just love it. Love some Dolly art. Love some Pride and Prejudice art. Looks I like she's also got say. Clueless, Twilight. Amazing. You know, everything a, woman a fan girl could need. After my heart, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> So I saved her Pride and Prejudice one a long time ago, but when I searched Dolly Part and Art, like her stuff definitely came up too. So amazing. Just love it. It's so girly and perfect. Well, um, I mentioned at the beginning of the episode that um, Nashville is full of Dolly Parton murals. So I thought I would shout out a person who is responsible for a couple of the ones around town. And her name is Kim Radford. Uh, who is a Southern muralist based in Nashville, Tennessee. And the Instagram is just Kim Radford Artist. And yes, I mean, just beautiful murals. She's also the one who did, I don't know if you got the, um, like saw that there was a Nashville record shop that did the mural of Taylor Swift for Record Store Day. Yeah. She's the one who also did that one. That's Um, so cool. And there's like a certain record shop in particular that always has the most beautiful murals of like different artists who've recently done albums like Paramore and all kinds. But yeah, she does all these Dolly murals. Just goes to show the fact that she's done so many, I think just like goes to show how many Dolly murals murals there really are in nashville but this is so sweet she -hmm. did a mural in january of from dolly's family and manager and it's dolly reading a book to a child yes i saw that one it's Uh, so so precious and i want to know where that is in real life because i love it go check out her and if you're ever in nashville go find the real life murals could be a scavenger hunt Mm mm-hmm Oh, she did a Ruth Bader Ginsburg one, too, and it's amazing. Or a painting mm-hmm. or something? I don't know. Incredible. How many murals do they have in Nashville? It looks like it's covered. Yeah. I feel like any – like, it's so common for, like, a wall. If there's a wall, there's going to be a mural on it. I love that. I think that's how every city should be. All right. Now, back to the show. Um, kind of continuing on in that thread. Sweet. <laughs> uh, this was something that the Dolly Parton's America brought up and I like couldn't stop thinking about it. And then I realized mm-hmm. there were more connections. He brought up the fact that like if you look at her discography, it mirrors the progression of women's rights. Yeah. And something I kind of wanted to mention off the bat is she does not self-identify as a feminist. They kind of had this thing in the podcast about it for a minute where he was like, you're not. And she was like, no, I write ton of songs for men and everything and like all about this. And then mm-hmm. they went and talked to one of her fans and she was like, well, through Dolly, I learned feminism and like through my grandma and like my grandma doesn't identify as a feminist either. But like she burned a bra when she got divorced. <laughs> like, yeah. She's like the most feminist. Yeah. Um, and so she kind of talked about the fact that she's realized in her life there are like two different kinds of feminists. There's people who identify as it and then there's people who like live it. And hopefully, like, you're both, I would say. But it's like, yeah. yeah. But it's more important to, like, obviously live the principles that you believe Mm -hmm. in rather than just say that you're that. True. And we've talked about, like, the weight and kind of some of the issues that have come with the word feminism and how, like, when Dolly was growing up, it would have been a lot about the, like, trying to look more masculine, like, trying to be less feminine. No, you can't wear heels and be a feminist. No, you Mm -hmm. can't wear makeup and be a feminist. Like, it would have been a little bit more, it was that second wave, 
less inclusive, a little bit harder for her to identify with just as the person she is. And so they kind of even said that she would be the perfect example of third wave feminism, like way before it happened, where Mm -hmm. it's like you can wear glitter and rhinestones and have, you know, like wigs and glitter all over you and it doesn't matter. Like you can still stand for women's equality and rights. Mm -hmm. And so when they went back and talked to her and were like, well, they kind of, you know, like this person said this and they think that you're just a person who like lives by it. And she immediately attached herself to it and was like, yes, yes. She's like, of course I stand for women. Like, of course I love women and everything they are. Like I am a woman. She's like, I just don't feel the need to identify myself specifically as anything. Mm -hmm. And I think she's very careful about stuff like that especially with like politics and everything to not ever clearly set herself on one side or the other. I don't know entirely why, but I think that something I've been thinking about a lot is there's this call to have like artists say their political affiliation right off the bat so their fans can decide whether or not to support them and to like say their sexual orientation right off the bat and they get Mm -hmm. called out for like queer baiting which a, a real person can't do but that's a whole other thing like i'm so with you on that a real person yeah. cannot do that no like f- fake characters and stuff can but a real person can't queer bait they're three-dimensional and so it's just kind of interesting that we've gotten into this thing where it's like you have to know what all of your favorite people believe in in order to support them i don't know if it's really that important like is that the point of a music artist is yeah. to be like a beacon of every virtue you stand for or is it to entertain and create songs that you connect with regardless of where you're mm-hmm. standing in life like i think it just kind of goes back to like the purpose of it and like maybe that's not the most important thing within yeah. that career maybe that's not something we should be looking to them for mm-hmm. so i think it's just interesting that she's been able to do that and if you look at her songs it really does mirror women's Mm -hmm. rights and like her growing up and becoming more aware of things and like just with the stuff she's been involved in I think you can tell she fully believes (laughs) in liberating women and and it's just lovely so one of the first things is they talk about they called them like her sad ass song period (laughs) and a lot of these are like early mountain songs where like women were being murdered and abused and they're horrifying and I think we need to do a whole episode on mountain music because okay yeah my brain was literally like I did not know about this genre. (laughs) Yeah. But it was literally like folklore, but in like the Smoky Mountains and then other small areas and Mm -hmm. murders would happen in the town. And what they would do is they would like, while the person was standing in town waiting to be executed for like the crime they committed, they would have people perform a song about what their crime was. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And that's where a lot of these songs came from. And then it just got adopted into every town. So like people would move and then they would just change it to like in Tennessee and like, Mm -hmm. and it was a lot of them were about these women getting pregnant and then being murdered by their husbands because we know that that's the number one reason why pregnant women die you know like yeah Mm -hmm. and so that was like a lot of her songs in the early period were just these horrific songs like about women losing babies or suicide like honestly she wrote about that and Mm -hmm. they were just like kind of horrific but like beautiful and but definitely not what we associate dolly with now but that's kind of the time period that there was like women didn't really have a lot of rights especially in her area of tennessee like it was very a very different place (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah 
And then one thing that they also brought up is the I will always love you came out right when women could finally file for a divorce. Interesting. Like the no contest divorces started picking up and Mm -hmm. I will always love you is kind of it's about a woman finally being able to leave a relationship that isn't benefiting her anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. That wasn't something that could happen before that time period. Then she has more angry songs where she's blaming men for things, actually, and like calling them out. And that kind of started to happen as women were able to have more of a voice in relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, Nine to five is a huge one. It came out right at the pivotal moment of the women in the workforce movement. And it's all about like the boss won't give you a raise. He won't give you credit. Like you can't move mm-hmm. up the ladder. <laughs> like, And a lot of those feelings and thoughts that women were having at the time with their secretarial jobs, even despite all the work they were doing. There's a couple that she didn't write, but she did perform, which I'm sure she has to be like really connected to it in order to take it on. So there's one called The Pill um, oh, that yeah. was performed by her. And it was right during the birth control and bodily autonomy debate in the 70s. There was another one, too, I think, that she wrote about, like, a miscarriage or something like that that Mm -hmm. was right around that time period, too. There's another song called Romeo that came out right at the same time as the Family Protection Act Against Domestic Abuse was formed. And it's about, like, women knowing their worth in a relationship. Hmm. Um, And then, like, obviously, as women's rights have gotten stronger, her songs are a little bit happier, (laughs) more carefree. Um, One thing that they brought up was wildflowers that shows freedom and self-expression that women were able to live and that they were tied to in the 80s and beyond. Mm -hmm. And even like her songs now with like rock star and like rock album, like she's always been a country star, but now she's multifaceted and she's able to be like, hey, I can do whatever I want. Like yeah, uh she's reached the point where she's capable of anything. And that's, it's been the year of women this year. Like (laughs) times person of the year is Taylor Swift. Like Barbie came out. Like, I think it's the perfect time for her to just kind of be like, I'm powerful. I'm capable and I can do anything. I'm going to release a rock album. And she did. So and she did. Yeah. So I just love it. I think that someone could honestly do like a whole thing about all of her songs and all of the laws like that came mirroring. out and how they mirror. Yeah. That is so interesting. I love that that, yeah, like that that parallel exists. That's it's so cool. Because she's been there for the whole thing. It's just crazy. Um. Okay. I wanted to talk about where Dolly Parton got her look from. And I'm going to just start with this quote. So she says, the way I dress for the most part is how most people would dress up for a costume party. Continuing, it would scare most people to death to look this cheap or hoary, but to me, I'm comfortable. The way I look was really a country girl's ideal of what glamour was. I patterned my look after the town tramp. I thought she was the prettiest thing in the world with all that bleached hair and bright red lipstick. People would say, oh, she's just trash. And I think that's what I want to be when I grow up. I love that quote. (laughs) Me too. And I think like, it's just the like she just dresses exactly how she's always wanted to dress and that is what that's what she keeps dressing as there's there was a story from the nine to five documentary of like the making of the movie where like they talked about like even the co-stars like they never saw her without her wig on Mm -hmm. like she always is presenting herself at the very very best there is a new book called Behind the Scenes, My Life in Rhinestones. There's, okay, I didn't know this, but there is like a whole exhibit on her like looks that is currently in a museum here in Nashville. But the closing day is this Saturday and I work during the hours it's open and then Saturday is completely sold out. So I'm a little bit- 
bum. Take off work and drive. Go. (laughs) I'm sick on Friday. (laughs) No, just kidding. Um, But anyways, I might see if I can still make it. And I'm going to check to see if there's any last minute tickets for this Saturday because I really want to go. so incredible. Regardless though, there is a book that has just come out this year, which features 25 of her fashions spanning her career, but it looks into the makers behind the dresses that help define Parton's trademark look and who better to introduce it than Parton herself. I thought it was just really cool where I think it just shows like the way she views people in the sense that she's like, oh, other people would look at her and say, oh, she's trash, but she just saw her as this beautiful woman. And she's like, I want to be a beautiful woman just like her. And there was a awesome article that I found just kind of about her discussing her womanhood and like sex. Some quotes from her biographies that I just wanted to talk about. Mm -hmm. So this is a 1994 autobiography called My Life and Other Unfinished Business. And um, there was like three pillars to kind of like how she had her life. One was music, religion, and the other was sex. But I think that's like sex appeal and like beauty and just like feeling comfortable as a woman. So she said, growing up, she used to haunt an abandoned chapel with broken windows and buckled floorboards where teenagers left condom wrappers (laughs) under the porch. (laughs) There was a broken piano and dirty drawings on the wall. In that space of music, sex, and God, Parton wrote that she experienced a spiritual epiphany that it was all right for me to be a sexual being, which I like love that because I think that like, especially as like someone who did grow up very religious, like that's something that I struggled with a lot and I think Mm -hmm. it's just cool that she had that self-actualization so young and I think that you can just like see that so clearly that she was so confident in that and what an example of that she is to women yeah Um, I love that too because it's like it's something I think a lot of us realize a lot older mm -hmm. and so I love how young she was to realize that where it's like you're human. Like, of course, you're yeah. going to exist as a sexual being. You're here because of that. You know, like, exactly. <laughs> all of us have that part of us. And it's okay to be, like, religious and musical and sexual all at the same time. Like, that's mm-hmm. so powerful. And she acknowledges the fact that, like, the resulting attention from males kind of clued her into her own sexual power. And she kind of embraced it where she would dye her lips with iodine from the family medicine cabinet because they didn't have they didn't have lipstick. She was. That sounds painful. I know. (laughs) What I thought was interesting too. So this zeal for sexy behavior did not, in the eyes of her people's strict patriarchal religion, honor her father or her mother. Her mother and preacher grandfather shuddered too, worrying that the devil had led Dolly down Jezebel's path. But during her 1983 television special, Dolly in London, she called herself the original punk rocker in the early early 60s as a teen she pierced her own ears to hang feathers from them and ratted her hair when her mother suggested she'd been possessed parton told her to give credit where it was due not to satan but to dolly herself (laughs) i love that so much Uh (laughs) uh-huh quote i couldn't get my hair big enough or yaller enough couldn't get my skirt tight enough my blouse is low enough of course i had to get away from home to really put on the tog (laughs) oh my god okay this is so funny i'd go into the four for quarter picture booth at woolworths unbutton my blouse push my headlights (laughs) up with my arms and take pictures and then this couple more quotes womanhood was a difficult thing to grit a grip on in those hills unless you were a man a glamorous woman in magazines didn't look as if boys and men could just put their hands on them anytime they felt like it and with any degree of roughness they chose. The way they looked, if a man wanted to touch them, he'd better be damn nice to them. I love that. And so it's like she viewed, she viewed beauty it. and glamour as power. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. has hold true like with the way she presents herself everywhere. Like she 
holds glamour and beauty to power. And then this is just another quote. This from just like a Wisconsin housewife told her saying, I'll tell you why I love her. Dolly is everything I never dared to be. She's outrageous looking, but just once didn't ever want to do something outlandish without worrying what everyone will say. And I just love it. It's like the part of us that all wore like those jelly shoes that sucked in princess dresses to go to Walmart. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like like the seven-year-old in you that wants to just wear a feather crown and a boa yeah. and mm-hmm. be a princess. Like she just let that part of her yeah. exist forever. And it's and I, so brave. I think that like you made a TikTok about it on our More Than Amuse um, TikTok <laughs> follow us, but about like the whole like Dallas cowboy, how she came out dressed in exactly what the cheerleaders were wearing and there was like a tweet of like oh should a 70 something year old woman be wearing this and it's like why not like, yeah it's great you know and i she think does. it's just cool that it's so consistent with how no, she and it was just in the world. so ironic to me that it's like no one had a problem with the 20 year old girls wearing it mm-hmm. but then then it dolly does and it's an issue and it was just like why why <laughs> like, whatever, yeah. whatever she wants mm-hmm. yeah i mean not everyone has to dress the way that dolly does i will say no that. but i think like everyone will find like finds power in their yeah own. it's like so. kind of just letting yourself find empowerment and who you are and like not doing anything that you don't want to you know mm-hmm. like kind of just letting it be yeah. a part of you no matter what anyone else says love that so much cool okay we're gonna talk about rock star Yes. Yeah. I loved this quote. It said, all it took was some skepticism to propel Dolly Parton to write a rock album. (laughs) So what happened is in 2022, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominated Dolly Parton to be like an honoree, you know, be like inducted Mm -hmm. into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And she declined it. She actually put a post up on her social media. I went and found it, but it basically just said that like, she didn't think her career befitted that of like a typical rock star. She had a country career and she's already been inducted into the country music hall of fame. And so she was just like, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm worthy. Yeah. Like I'm worthy of this. But then she kind of said that like, I've always wanted to do a rock album. My husband's a huge rock and roll fan. He's always told me I should do one. And so I hope that I can release something that will befit me of like being a typical rock star and then I can be worthy of this induction. And Mm -hmm. so later she actually acquiesced and accepted the induction and basically promised like, I'm going to prove myself. Like, Mm -hmm. yes, you can induct me. I'm going to release a rock album. And she did. Like, yeah, she just barely. A couple weeks ago on our podcast, there was an ad for the Dolly Parton rock star album. So you heard that. We didn't do that on purpose. It was just. Gifted but to I'm us, happy honestly. it happened. Yeah. <laughs> and it just kind of shows that like anyone who doubted her, like a country queen can readily morph into a rock and roll empress. And mm-hmm. so like we said, she's 77. And yeah. she spent the past year not only recording a wallop of an album, it's 30 songs mm-hmm. on an album just titled Rockstar, which I love. But yeah. she also recruited a lineup of musicians across generations to join her in covers of their hits. So yeah. she got Pink, Peter Frampton, Joan Jett, Judas Priest, Rob Halford, the two living Beatles, Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr. And of course, all of them accepted. Why would you say no? 
(laughs) to do all these covers with her. Um, A lot of the album was recorded in separate locations, of course, because they had so many people in different places. She did sessions in the studio with Hearts and Wilson for Magic Man, Blondie's Debbie Harry for Heart of Glass, John Fogarty's Long As I Can See the Light, and Stevie Nicks for the original song, What Has Rock and Roll Ever Done For You, which I have listened to. Absolutely adore it. And fun fact... It is now the biggest album charting of her career. Wow. Yes. It actually made it up to the top three, which she's been in the top 10 before, but she hasn't been into the top three. And the reason she didn't make it to top one was because of Taylor Swift and Drake, which they've been in an eternal battle of back and forth for the whole year. Truly. (laughs) Yeah. But it was just incredible that like it's her biggest album charting. The photo shoot was incredible. She went with leather and pink and it's perfect. We follow her on Instagram and it's just been an absolute delight as she's released singles and album. And I just love that all it took was like a nomination that she didn't think she was worthy of. For her to be like, fine, I'll make sure I'm worthy of it. Yeah, which like, like she felt she the was need worthy to prove of it. it. But yeah, I thought it, I thought it was cool that she's like, nope, and then just was like, cool, then I'll do this. Yeah, she's like, I'll prove that I can be worthy of this, then I can feel good about it, and I don't feel mm-hmm. weird about it. And I think that also just shows like her integrity, her humility of the whole thing to be like, yeah. I don't feel worthy of that. Let me prove that I can be. So this is also a plea to all of you to go stream Rockstar because got to support Dolly. Yeah. <laughs> Plus like uh, the Beatles, Debbie, Harry, Stevie <laughs> Nicks. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's fun. <laughs> At work, we were like listening to it earlier this week. Just mm-hmm. listening to all the covers that she did with all the icons. It's amazing. She's got Sting on there. Mm-hmm. It, so it's good. just incredible. Okay, well, I'm going to talk about Dollywood, which just the fact that it exists is enough. Like, I'm done. Like, there is a theme park called Dollywood. That's, that's all I need to say. <laughs> but in case you don't know what Dollywood is, so it was actually first known as Rebel Railroad. So it was a, it was a different theme park at the time. And like the tourist attraction included a coal-fired steam engine, a general store, a blacksmith shop and saloon. So very wholesome. You know, it changed mm-hmm. to Gold Rush Junction in 1970, then became Silver Dollar City in 1976. Then in 1982, uh, a bar- during a Barbara Walters interview, Dolly Parton, I guess, expressed an interest to open a theme park in her hometown. And the family who owned Silver Dollar City they were listening. And so in 1986, they suggested a partnership and that park became Dollywood. And it's been around since 1986. So it's a theme park that is jointly owned by the Hershend Family Entertainment, I think is how you would say that. And then of course, singer-songwriter Dolly Parton. Can you imagine that family? Like, I'm sorry, like they were probably just like barely kind of getting by with their little Silver Dollar City or maybe they had a few other parks, but like nothing near what I'm sure they've got now. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) oh, Dolly Parton wants to open a theme park and where we have a theme park. Wait a minute. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And it's located in Pigeon Forge, uh, Tennessee. 
or I guess right outside of Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, in the Great Smoky Mountains. Has nearly 3 million guests in a typical season from mid-March to the Christmas holidays. And it's the biggest ticketed tourist attraction in Tennessee. Obviously, I mean, you talked a lot about her philanthropy. And Mm -hmm. um, I think this is just like one example of a way that she also did give back with I mean, it wasn't like philanthropy, but in a way it still did give back to her community a lot um, because she said, quote, that she always thought that if I made it big or got successful at what I had started out to do, that I wanted to come back to my part of the country and do something great, something that would bring a lot of jobs into this area. And um, yeah, apparently it has 4,000 people on its payroll that makes it the largest employer in that community. So not only has she just like given money and she like also does, I mean, you talked about like the different education Mm -hmm. ways that she helps. It's great. Some little, just like fun little things that are at Dollywood. The Dollywood Express is a World War II veteran. Fun fact, known as the United States Army Transportation Corps S-118 steam locomotives, the two Dollywood engines supported the American war war effort by transporting essential supplies. It just looks really, really cute. Like you see pictures of it. There is flowers everywhere. But the highlights, there's just rides. It's all like very Southern themed, like Big Bear Mountain. The food is like typical Southern food. There's entertainment. Apparently you can attend a church service. Um, There's also like, I, I think I mentioned it earlier, there is a one room cabin, which is a replica of the place that she grew up. Also, this is just a side note. Like I mentioned, I did check the job postings because I was curious. And the first thing that it says is that able to display and live live out, lead with love qualities, strongly rooted in the Dollywood company culture by being patient, kind, trusting, unselfish, truthful, forgiving, dedicated, and un- accountable. Oh, I love <laughs> I just it. I think that's so nice. I also wanted to mention for anyone that lives in Tennessee, apparently they have like a huge Christmas event. They call it like America's best Christmas event for more than a decade, but it's called Smoky Mountain Christmas and there's more than 6 million lights and dozens of Christmas trees and they just have this huge Christmas light show and it's Dollywood at Christmas time. It looks magical. (laughs) I mean, I now live only like three to four hours away from Dollywood. You should go. Yeah. Make the trip here soon. You ever want to fly out? We'll go together. I know. I want to go so bad. I just, I mean, just the fact that there's a theme park that just exists called Dollywood. Like that's right for me. I love it. Another little side note is that there was a sheep, just a sheep named Dolly, that was a female Finn Dorset sheep. And the first mammal that was cloned from a cell. Very creepy to me, but holy cow. (laughs) But it was done during the process of nuclear trans from a cell taken from a mammary gland. I'm saying that like I know what that means. I don't. But because it was taken from a mammary gland and Dolly Parton is known for her boobs. That's another thing I was going to mention when I was talking about her beauty standards. Like she is not ashamed of any of the work she's done. Anytime she's on a talk show, like she will make jokes about her boobs. And I think that part of it's probably like she makes sure make the jokes first so that no one can laugh at her, which is like sad that people feel like they have to do it. But I just also think it just she doesn't really take herself too seriously. And it's just mm-hmm. it's very fun, very humorous. But anyways, yes. Quote from the doctor who was a part of cloning the sheep. Dolly is derived from a mammary gland cell. And we couldn't think of a more impressive pair of glands than Dolly Parton's. And apparently Dolly Parton invited the sheep to come live in Dollywood. 
But unfortunately, I think the sheep passed away before that could come to pass. Yeah, but I don't think cloning still would relevant be that far back and if the sheep had lived. <laughs> like, Correct. <laughs> we're not yeah. very far along in our no. <laughs> cloning processes. I guess not, but this happened all the way back in 1996, yeah. which is horrifying I remember to reading about it in school. Like, it was in, like, a textbook or something. It was, like, the first cloned sheep was named Ollie, but they didn't explain why, and that makes sense now. Yeah. Like, it's actually <laughs> because Dolly Parton's boobs are huge, and they yeah. got it from a mammary <laughs> gland, actually. Oh, gosh. I had a few little, like, quick one-sentence facts. I just wanted to share at the end the things that she's famous for. Like, she lost a Dolly Parton lookalike contest so to a drag queen, I think, which is even funnier. She said she didn't get hardly any applause when she walked across the stage, even though it was it's her. <laughs> and she's not the only star to ever have that happen. Like, it's happened quite a few times, so it's just funny. That's so funny. There is actually a Sesame Street parody puppet named Polly Darton that helps kids learn how to count, which I think mm -hmm. is very fitting in with her educational philanthropy. Um, like you mentioned, she is just so witty and like constantly poking fun at herself. Mm -hmm. And one thing that she's very known for is like quips about her looks and one of her most famous ones is i'm not offended by all the dumb blonde jokes because i know that i'm not dumb i also know that i'm not blonde yeah going back she always has a wig on <laughs> yeah and so that's one of the most famous ones another one i saw is that they talk about like her hair and they'll be like oh how do you do your hair and all this and she'll be like i don't know i'm not there when it gets done because yeah. it's a wig yeah. <laughs> so she's written over 3,000 songs which is double the number of black bears that inhabit the Great Smoky Mountains National Park nice that's a lot of songs that's, a that's lot also of songs. a lot of bears <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, she can play 10 instruments and she listed some of them on the podcast and was kind of like discounting it where she was like oh that's like a mountain instrument or something and I was oh. like that's still 10 instruments no. yeah. but it's like jaw harp or like different things like that like I don't think that was one of them but just like some of those old backwoods Tennessee instruments mm -hmm. when Nelson Mandela was actually imprisoned he requested Dolly Parton's music from his gel cell wow whenever she's asked how she'd like to be remembered 100 years from now she trots out one of her best dollyisms which i wanted to mention dollyism is actually a word and it's for things that she says that she's remembered for there's so um, many great dollyisms <laughs> yeah and she said i want them to say doesn't she look good for her age oh. I love <laughs> yeah a hundred years from now and uh -huh. i just want to say i hope that she hope, is also still here. I hope I get the pleasure to say in 100 years, wow, she looks great for her age. <laughs> yes. I hope I'm still here too in 100 years. Goodness. Oh, um, or maybe I don't. I don't know. I don't think I want to be we'll 126. Anyway. And one last thing I wanted to end with is a lot of people have commented on the fact that she's still so mysterious. There's been a lot of like questions about her arms have been covered a lot recently and people are like mm -hmm. oh i wonder if she's got like sleeves of tattoos or something and that's oh, why yeah. she covers them or and she does say she's had a few tattoos of course there are butterflies to cover the different scars and stuff but mm -hmm. she's able to manage like this mysteriousness despite her star power like even her husband she's been married for more than 50 years to one man no divorces or anything in sight and um, people are so mystified by it, but she doesn't really talk about their relationship publicly ever. Like mm -hmm. she met him before she got really big. They've been married the whole time. 
and they're just like secure in it and she doesn't feel the need to bring it up very often (laughs) even though he's a part of her life obviously but one thing that she said to the podcast host of america dollywood's america or sorry dolly parton's america (laughs) is she said i'll just tell it as i know it or as i feel it or as i want you to hear Mm mm-hmm And I I thought that that was kind of great that like she's five decades into a career and yet she's able to still keep things that she wants to secret and yet be so open about Mm -hmm. so many other things. And I feel like that is the magic of Dolly Parton. Absolutely. That is truly the magic of Dolly Parton. Oh, yes. This has been the most fun episode to record in a while. I feel like I've been smiling the entire time, but I just love her. (laughs) Me too. Also, I mean, like it's not a holiday episode, but like what was more fitting for December than an episode I on Dolly know. Parton? Should yeah, be. we chose her for a few reasons. She's got Christmas music. She's got the sure. Dollywood Christmas celebration. Plus, it's just happy and lovely and perfect. So, <laughs> yes. yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us today. I hope you learned something new. hope you have a new Dolly fun fact that you can pull out of your pocket. Tell everyone you know. Tell people at Christmas Eve dinner all about Dolly Parton. And, and I think that's it. I yeah. Think anything else we need to cover? No, I think it's just the perfect bonding topic we talked about. She crosses politics, generations. That's like everything. one thing everyone can agree on generally. Yeah. We all love Dolly Parton. Yeah. I am even selling in my Etsy shop Dolly and Reba 2024 for president shirts. There because that would be great. They'll never do it, but it would be great. I would vote for her, hands down. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. All right. Well, we will be back next week with another Forgotten Woman artist to give it away, to hint at it. I'll be covering the woman who hit number one on Billboard this week. Ooh. So, well, leave a rating review. Follow us on Instagram, TikTok. You can watch us on YouTube, and we'll be back next week. See ya. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.